0: everybody and welcome to the intuitive business podcast. And today I have a personal friend as well as a really cool professional that I'd like to introduce today. So go on and say hi to everybody, Nicole. Hey there. It's good to be here. This is kind of exciting. (laughs) I'm really super excited. I would like to introduce Nicole and let you know a little bit about who she is before we start talking. Nicole Lewis Kieber who she's a business therapist and a mindset coach who works with entrepreneurs to create and nurture healthy relationships with their business. She is a licensed clinical social worker with a master's in social work and a rich experience of working as a therapist. She is also certified in the Brene Brown's The Daring Way and Dare to Lead Methodologies. She also has been featured on numerous media outlets, including Fast Company and NPR, for her work in breaking the stigma of mental health and business ownerships. She writes and speaks on the impact of small T trauma on business and her biggest and most important work is combining therapeutic processes with business coaching to help entrepreneurs just like you build emotional sustainability and financial, a financially stable business. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's impressive. (laughs) Whoosh, (laughs) Welcome. Welcome. I'm humbled to have you on. So thank you.
1: So happy to be here.
0: So, Nicole, let's get them warmed up. Let's talk about how therapy and business married for you to create a business.
1: Yeah, I think like with many things, it's you know the intersection of our personal experience, our professional experience. You know, we start to find ourselves in, you know, maybe new career choices. You know, we don't leave our experiences and our talents behind us when we start something new. They come in with us. And so When I left the world of therapy after about 18 years, because let's be honest, I was completely burnt out by it. I thought, well, I'll just stay behind the scenes and not work with people. And that didn't last for very long. So I went and got some training to be a money mindset coach. And as I was working with the clients around money and the mindset piece of it, what became very clear is that they did not have mindset issues. They were actually having a trauma response with their money. And so I kind of began to look at, okay, what is what does that mean? <laughs> like <laughs> trauma and money, how can you combine those? And from there, it just took me on a path in my own business to explore how, you know, my childhood trauma was showing up for myself in my business and how it was showing up for my clients as well. And, you know, I always tell the story of how I had like this divine download, you know, one morning when I was reading big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And I don't even remember what the story was about at this point. The point was that so I recognized by reading a chapter in that book that I was pouring all of my love into my business, but I did not feel like my business was returning that love. In fact, I felt it was quite abusive. And it mm-hmm. took me on this journey of trying to understand why as a solopreneur would I be feeling abused by my business because I'm the one who set it up. So if I set it up to feel that way, then you know, why would I do that? And that's when my research started on how childhood abuse can become embedded in our business and how we can replicate those patterns. And it's been my work ever since then. So that's kind of how therapy and, <laughs> and coaching kind of got mixed all up with each other.
0: <laughs> I love how it was like a divine download. And I love that you said that it was a divine download and that our experiences with who we are as business owners, or even before we become a business owner, is brought into our business. I also want to say at this point that I actually, um, I guess it was about three or four years ago, I had the pleasure of working with Nicole in the money trauma issue. And it was really fascinating for me. I remember we found out, you know, kind of how I was modeling some behaviors that were my husband's. Families' Mm -hmm. behaviors um, or traumas. And then it was almost counteracting. My parents had an incredible money mindset. Mm -hmm. They really, really were excellent with the money that they earned. And my dad said at one point in 1978, before he was forced into retirement with his disability, he made $17,800 a year for a family of four. And he was the only provider and we lived quite well, um, as well, or maybe even better than I live today. So that's how good they were with money. So Mm -hmm. it was really nice to be able to identify my own money traumas. And I really, that was really a powerful experience. So thank you for doing that work, Nicole. And let's move into the next thing you said, you got a certification with dare to leave and let's talk a little bit about Brene Brown and your experiences with her. Yeah. So if you know who Brene Brown is,
1: you know what a big deal it is to get to hang out with her for three days. If you do not, you need to know her. So go, go uh, Google her. She has one of the most downloaded and viewed TED Talks of all time. Shame of vulnerability. She is also a social worker. You know, so shout out to the social workers. Ooh, a professor. Ooh. I know, right? <laughs> She's a professor and she's a researcher, and now she's a CEO because she's running her company as well. And so, if you don't know who she is, go go check her out. She also has a Netflix special called Call to Courage, which is really great. And and by the way, just a side note, you know my husband's heard me talk about her forever, and in fact, he's, you know, I don't know if this was before I trained with her. I think it was when I was going to go train with her. And so it's not like she was new to him, but we were in North Carolina for our wedding, and we were stuck in the hotel because there was a. Like a tornado warning happening, and so I said, "Oh, this Netflix special from Renee just came out. We've got to watch it." So we've opened up the laptop and you know got it going, and so we're laying there, you know, watching the watching her speak and everything. And he goes, "She's really smart," and he's sitting there listening to her, and he, and now it's occurred to him that she's you know smart, and he's like, "Wow, I can't believe what she just said." So that's just an the side how it's really funny, you know, that he had to experience <laughs> her to like get it, but once he did, he's like, "Oh my god, she's fantastic." What I love about Brene is that she is a trailblazer on a topic that people don't want to address. You know, no one wants to talk about shame. They certainly don't want to talk about vulnerability. But because of the research that she did, she had this, you know, interesting way of bringing the research and her ability to spin a tall tale, because she's a Texan, (laughs) to make it relatable to people, I think. And so, you know, she talks about how when she would be asked to speak, to organizations they would say well don't talk about shame We don't want to talk about that and she would say well then I'm not your girl I'm not going to talk if I can't talk about what I need to talk about and I really as I began to explore trauma and entrepreneurship and want to talk about it and I got a lot of pushback from the people around me particularly coaches who would say don't use the t words. you're going to scare people call it something else and I would say no we're going to call a thing a thing we're going to call it what it is because people need to understand that it is trauma and not something else. And so I kind of modeled my journey after Brene and that she just kind of kept running out front, calling it what it was, kind of dodging, you know, (laughs) the rocks that people threw. And it's been so meaningful to have her as a mentor for that. And she began to write more books and I read them. She came out with the book Dare to Lead, which is really about how shame and vulnerability shows up in organizations and in leadership. And I decided that if she offered any kind of training around that that I was going to apply for it and so she did and I put my name in and I was selected and I didn't know how big a deal that was until I got there when I recognized that how few people were actually selected for that process and so I literally wrote on a post-it note you were vetted you belong here 100% so I was having some impostery feelings right in that room Mm. And so I got to go to San Antonio and train her for three days on how to facilitate the daily processes that she and her team had been uh, taking into these big companies for years, like Disney and Amazon and Pixar and all of them, even the military. And it was a fantastic three days. And she is as funny as you think in person. (laughs) She is as warm as you think in person. And she also has boundaries for days. Like we knew what was okay and what was not okay. In those three days together. So it was just a fantastic experience. And it's been really fun to facilitate her processes since then. And because I have a therapist background, they asked me if I'd like to come back after that to learn how to facilitate the Daring Way processes, which are more of the personal development pieces. They're not about leadership, Uh, it's more personal stuff where we're using her Rising Strong and Daring Greatly and Gifts of Imperfection curriculum to help people personalize their growth around shame and vulnerability. So it's less about leadership and organizations and more just like you as a person. It's a deeper dive. It's probably a little bit more emotional than the dare to lead stuff. So it's been a really fantastic journey. And it just really aligns with what I do in my business too.
0: Would you be willing to share a couple things? Like you started to talk about The moment of the realization when you got there that you really were hand selected and you were one of a few, and you start feeling this imposter syndrome. For the listeners that are listening right now, by show of hands, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't see them, right? But (laughs) by show of hands, who else has ever had a thought in their business or in their life about that imposter syndrome? Like, am I good enough to be here? Why me? With that thought in mind, can you tell us a little bit about what you learned about yourself through these trainings and processes? I learned that I
1: am an extreme introvert and that that, that is okay. I, I learned that it was okay for me to not spend the time after the training with everyone and that it's okay for me to go to my room and unplug. That is for sure. I learned that and embraced it those three days. What I also learned is that you can find your way in those spaces, even if you are an introvert, that, that the right people will show up for you. And so I still have friends from that weekend, even though I did not spend a lot of extra social time with people, that the right people found me and that I still collaborate with them and talk to them to this day. So you don't have to do anything extra. Just be you. Mm-hmm. Honor the you that you are and the right people will show up. And that you don't have to figure it all out in the three days, that you're literally gonna still be figuring it out. Like I gave a talk this week, a keynote daring on dare to leave processes, and I'm still learning it myself, you know. So I don't <laughs> I don't expect myself to be the expert, particularly on someone else's work, you know. I'm still integrating it too. And you know, it's one of the beautiful things I think about that week is that she said to us from the stage. I would love to tell you all that this information was a a divine download and that these are directives from Brené Brown on how you should lead and that vulnerability, you know, is key. And she said, it's not, this is based upon the research. The research tells me this. And so I'm teaching you this and I hate it. I hate being vulnerable. (laughs) So it was cool to see that she's like, Just because I'm teaching you this, don't think that I have it all figured out because I don't. This is my research. It's not, it didn't come from me specifically. So that gave us a lot of permission, I think.
0: That's really impactful what you're saying. And I remember watching, I believe it was the Netflix. What was the name of it again? The Netflix? Call to Courage. So if any of you are out there and think, oh, I really want to watch something good, Call to Courage with Brene Brown is phenomenal. One of the things that she talks about, I believe that this is the talk is when she finally decides to talk on vulnerability and really put some of her very like more intimate private self out there. And I can't really remember the story. I feel like it was something with swimming in her husband, Mm -hmm. but the outcome was that she decided to look at what people were saying about this talk. And then basically in a nutshell, she said, she ended up turning into like a Hagen Doss official auto (laughs) and kind of went into a little snot bubble for a few days. And I believe it was her husband that said to her, look, those people that are making comments, are they the ones standing up on thousands and thousands of people's stages Mm -hmm. being vulnerable and girlfriend until they do, Mm -hmm. they're not allowed to shame you, you know, and And somehow, and I'm probably not completely saying this properly, and it's been a while since I watched it, but all of a sudden she said, I realized that's true. You know, statistically, I'm probably speaking to more people than any of the people making the comments. And it wasn't from a space of arrogance. It was a space of logic, like, you know what, I'm being vulnerable and people are learning and growing. And, and she just, that was the way she accepted kind of the shame that people were putting on her after she's talking about her own vulnerability. Yeah,
1: and I think that's when she started doing some research and she found that quote from, from Roosevelt about the critic you know, in the arena whose, whose opinion matters. I think that's what led to her to do that. And that, again, that vulnerable moment of hers led to the next body of her work and her research, right? About whose opinion of you when you are in the arena with your face down, whose opinion matters. Is it the critic who counts? No. It's not, it's the person who is in the arena with you, dirt in their face, you know, that is the person whose opinion matters. And so isn't it cool that she had that hard experience and that we all benefit from the research that she did from it afterwards.
0: Oh, I I just, I really do think that, that she's absolutely phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So I want to change, I mean, I could go into so many areas that she just talked about. However, what I want to focus on a little bit today is and everybody take a deep breath in. And right. I just invite you to take a deep breath in because we're going to be talking about the T word today, the trauma word. And how we as business owners have been affected by the trauma, dare I say, of the COVID virus and the pandemic and you know the unexpectedness of it and how All of a sudden, it was like one day, everybody said the whole world sat still. And I just, I'll never forget, I think it was last Easter, sitting there watching Andre Botticelli sing like the Ave Maria. And they had video captions of what was actually happening in the areas in Europe. And nothing was happening. And it just, all the busiest streets. And when they would show images of absolutely zero movement, I just remembered, I think that was a moment where my trauma might've began. It was like this whole world is sitting down. And so first I want to talk about the trauma and how that might be showing up in people's lives and businesses. And now that we're starting to just see little windows opening that as people feel more freedom and are getting their shots or not getting their shots. I'm not going to get into that debate or go down that line. Mm -hmm. I have both of my shots and I, and Nicole does too. And I just made a choice and that was my choice. But what I want to help people to do today with Nicole's help and her expertise is talk a little bit about how this might show up as business owners and what we can do to mitigate some of the feelings of trauma let them come out and so let's go there if you don't mind yeah
1: so I you know I too remember what it was like last year we were actually doing our first dare to lead training well our second dare to lead training and it was planned for this last year and we were constantly having to make decisions we're going to have it in person or okay so we're not going to have a buffet we're going to have box lunches like we went from decision to, decision to decision to eventually putting it on via zoom and online And it was really surreal because the participants who are with us, like they hung in there, but their lives were literally shutting down while we were going through this training. And so it was so disorienting, I think, to everyone because everything that we, our brains are pretty lazy, you know, like in a great way, because it needs to be efficient. And so it anticipates a lot. And so we were having to use much more brain power because our lives were literally changing minute by minute by minute. And we were in this fear response because this virus that we knew nothing about, was impacting everything. So, you know, our cages got really rattled very quickly, you know, which is trauma. It is something that happens to us that we have no control over that can change things in an instant. So we experienced that trauma pretty quickly at this time last year. And there's something really unnerving about having an entire lifetime where your brain anticipates how the world acts, right? There's traffic on the roads, there's people gathering for masks. There's schools happening. So all the things that our brain kind of leans on for stability and predictability all shut down. Again, unnerving. Your nervous system is going to react to it. And then what happened was that we were wearing masks and we were socially distancing. And one of the things that our nervous system needs because of the way it works is we assess risk by seeing people's faces. That's how our, our nervous system is set up because we're mammals and we, we you know, are cared for by other humans. We have to be able to look at their face and assess, like, am I safe? Am I attached? And so our nervous systems were not getting what it needed in order to regulate, being that we could see other people's faces. We could assess their, their risk. We could assess whether we, they were friendly or not. We weren't co-regulating each other emotionally because we weren't able to be with each other and hug each other and touch each other. So again, nervous system shutdown. Can't go to the ER if you break break your ankle, right? You've got to figure out a new way to do these things. So again, all the systems around us that we've always relied upon to act and behave a certain way, no longer acting and behaving a certain way. Everything from going to the ER to having a funeral, all of it completely changed right is your nervous system like reacting just thinking about that right now
0: well i feel kind of um, Mm teary-eyed and i don't think i processed it through my nervous system you know like i know that i still like when i see masks i still feel a little uncomfortable but it feels more like the way now but i want to stop here because she said a lot of things and i want to unpackage some of the things and The first thing that I wanna unpackage is talking about what people are actually gonna forget or are starting to forget. And when this first started, we didn't know what this unknown virus was. Mm -hmm. How many of us left our packages outside because we didn't know if it was through touch Or we weren't wearing masks in February, March in the beginning. Like, you know, I had traveled to two places. I traveled to Aruba in February and to South Carolina Mm -hmm. via plane, no masks. And I know people were already getting the virus at that point. So when the virus really was like diagnosed to our world, there were a lot of uncertain things. Mm -hmm. How long was the sit down going to be? is this the way it's always going to be? I remember thinking one day, I think it was actually a day I, I took a nap and it was pouring down rain outside. And I kind of thought, you know, I'd been working and working and I didn't have anything on my calendar and I just decided to go to bed Yeah. In the, in the day. Like I never, unless I was sick in my life, I've never done that. And as I was sleeping, my mind said, what if this never goes away? What if we can never hug somebody that's unknown to our environment? What if the kids will never go back to school? What if everybody's going to die? Like that was a dark moment for me. And I felt like I started to slip away that day. Like I felt like I've never felt before and I've had trauma in my life, but I remember, and this is, I'm being very vulnerable here. I remember thinking there was an end to me, meaning I felt like there was a thread and that there, that thread has a connection and that there's an end to that connection. And I felt like I was sitting kind of on the tip of the moon Mm -hmm. and I didn't know which way life would go. And it was very, I feel it was very traumatic.
1: Of course, because if you have experienced a trauma in your lifetime,
0: you still had systems
1: around you that made sense most of the time.
0: Yes. And nothing made sense anymore.
1: And that's why I kept reminding people, if you're tired, there's a reason why. If you need to take a nap, there's a reason why. If you're feeling overwhelmed and anxious, there's a reason why. Your nervous system does not have what it needs to regulate and to renew. And one of the things regarding like businesses, what I started, I saw pretty early out is that we people were responding the way their nervous systems do. So... Brené Brown talks about how when we're in a crisis either we overfunction or underfunction, you know that and that's a mechanism of trauma, either that fight or flight, you know, freeze. And so what I saw is people started running in using their businesses to offer webinars to provide services. Like there was a lot of noise in the online business space particularly during that time because people were rushing in trying to control it, right? All the overfunctioners showed up to try and like <laughs> fix, control, offer resources, you know, all the things. And then there were people like me who tend to be under functioners. Like when I'm in trauma, I tend to freeze. You know, that's my response. And I'm watching it saying, I really feel like I could be useful and helpful because of my experience here, but I just don't have it in me to be out there with people right now. Right. Mm-hmm. And so by the time all the overfunctioners burnt themselves out, I was starting to rally. And so then I kind of came forward and I was like, okay, I'm out of freeze. We figured this out. And how can I start to help people understand how their nervous systems are handling this? Because we're not just in an event where our bodies, all of us are reacting to this. So mm-hmm. um, that's how I saw people in business start to come in with a lot of different offers, a lot of webinars and conversations and panels and like that people responding in the way that they tend to respond to trauma is either by you know fight flight freeze. So that was very interesting to watch.
0: That is interesting. I know I showed up on a daily basis in the morning to help people at 9am. And then that was one of the mornings I went back to bed and I, I'm mm-hmm. remembering this now. And I just think that when people talk about this 10 years from now, they're going to be like, what was the big deal? So what did they stayed seated for 18 months? Mm-hmm. But the uncertainty and the unknown stuff really showed up. The second thing that I did so I did the flight and I did the flea all at the same time. So my fight was showing up for people each and every day. And I had like, like manifest Monday and terrific Tuesdays or something like that. And I went through each day of the week and I had a theme. But on my private moments, I would go into meditation one to two hours, if I felt uncertain about myself, or if I felt like I was, things were too much for me, I went into my intuitive self and I just sat with myself until I felt better. And if I didn't feel better, I went back in. And so I, I kind of did both things at that time because I honestly didn't know what to do. You know, like I knew that I could serve and I did my responsibilities. But the second thing that I was afraid of was my business because how I got my speaking leads or my leads was through speaking and guess what I wasn't going to be doing for an (laughs) unknown amount of time. So the beauty of this gift of this time for me, is I was able to transition my business and I dare say heal some personal traumas, I believe that were inside of me that kind of rose to the surface which leads me kind of to this next question is now that we have some freedom and some movement and not everybody might feel that even yet. So let's talk about for those that are still feeling a little bit stuck. And then the second part of the question is for those that are moving around, but still might be feeling some trauma. So how can we help them? How can we help them to understand these feelings or starting to release some of these feelings of the fear and the uncertainty and the flight and the flea. The most important thing is to have,
1: is to cultivate self-compassion and to understand that if you're still feeling stuck, it's because you have been through a very traumatic event that none of us in our lifetimes, anyone I know, has had, we've had traumas as a country but we've not had anything like this. And and not only, it's not even just the pandemic, it's been layers upon layers of things that we are coming to face and reckon with as a country here in the United States and across the world of who are we gonna be in this next chapter? Like we're being faced with ourselves. And so whether it's a personal experience you're having or you're seeing it all happening around you, if you're still feeling stuck, you know, you're still processing this and it's okay. And I think that we as a society have really bypassed people and diminished their ability to talk about what's really going on for them. And so you probably don't have the resources or the you know, kind of experience of sharing what you're going through and, and naming it as a trauma, because we as a culture really don't like that word. And we kind of you know, suppress people's use of it. We stigmatize mental health We suppress people's ability to name what their experience is. And so I think self-compassion is the first place. And second, to name it, call it what it is, which is the trauma and not rush yourself based upon someone else's schedule because we are all very different. And we're being asked to honor our lived experiences right now. So if you're still feeling stuck, it's okay because we're not out of it yet. Yes. <laughs> so we're still figuring this out. So don't let anyone rush you to have this all tied up in a bow. That's, that. those are old paradigms. Those are old capitalistic structures we are changing who we are right now we are evolving and ascending if you will into a different way of being in the world and so those old structures power over structures they're going to want you to just wrap this up you know and move on and or just be okay with feeling unsafe in the world right now they're going to try and dismiss you. They're going to try and bypass
0: your experience. Do not
1: let them do that, right? Mm. Don't let them do that.
0: Um, I want to stop right here. This is really important. I really, really want everybody to hear what you just said. And I want to just take a moment and breathe this into mm. who we are. Number one is if you're feeling stuck, use your own self compassion, be compassionate with yourself, be kind and caring to yourself first. Number two, name it. Guess what? We have experienced probably the most significant trauma in any lifetime in a hundred years. You know, this was, this is a tough one and it's not over yet. We we're still hearing there's viruses back here and there's viruses there. And will these shots protect those viruses? Are we going to go through another cycle of it? Will that shut everything down again? And I'm not saying that that's happening, but guess what? That's real. That's real thoughts. We're not sure yet. And the last thing is she was talking about, don't rush this. Just breathe. Don't rush this on the days you're tired. Take the rest If you don't want to push yourself one day, it's okay because your body is trying its best to deal with this and your heart and your mind. And so I love the suggestions that she's stating. And I just really wanted that to be absorbed in this moment. So thank you for letting me pause to just review those really powerful points and pieces. So the next part of the question is what else can you do if like you are trying to get out there and get out of your house? And then I know and I'm gonna be really honest, I when I had my two shots, I went to visit, you know, I waited the couple weeks or whatever, and I went to visit my girlfriend, Sunshine. And when I was in this one restaurant without, you know, we were about to take off our masks, I felt really closed in. I felt like it wasn't that six feet and It was a strange environment in a strange town. And I, I, I kind of had a little bit of, oh my goodness, I need to breathe through this moment. And if any of you have had dreams out there, but Nicole and I were talking a little bit about these vulnerable dreams where you're in your dream and you're not wearing a mask which feels natural. And then you kind of wake up in the middle of the dream saying, oh my God, I've just spent a whole day out in public with no masks and nobody else had masks. So now I've exposed myself all day long. As soon as I got my first shot, those dreams stopped. And so it must've given me some certainty uh, that I relaxed a little bit about it. But then when I was in a live situation, that dream came back and I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm going to take my mask off. And I literally am going to expose myself. Like, how do I feel about that? So let's walk through some of the scenarios that as people are starting to get maybe more brave, or maybe they're forced back into a work position, Mm -hmm. you know, like teachers were and how healthcare, God bless our healthcare workers, how, You know, they were working in this when there were no answers at all. Mm -hmm. So let's help them some more, Nicole, with your expertise. So I I think, again, it comes down to naming your own personal
1: experience and honoring that because we're all going to we're all going to be different where this is concerned. And, you know, our dreams are where we process a lot of things. We process fear, our nervous system when we are sleeping is when our nervous system Regenerates itself, basically, kind of repairs itself, regenerates, re-plugs in, gets some more energy, and so it would make sense that we would have those types of dreams, and it would make sense that they would stop once we have a little, we feel like we're a little bit less in danger. And so again, normalizing all experiences and, and not judging yourself for having that experience is the most important thing, and remembering that your nervous system has been operating under a lot of uncertainty for the past year. And that we are not machines, it's going to take a minute for our nervous system to catch up to the behavior that our brain has said, okay, I've had this shot now, I'm good. And know, there's still a little bit of uncertainty because there's things that, you know, they keep talking about new things, but I feel pretty good now, feel pretty solid. So your brain's going to tell you that, but your nervous system's going to have to catch up. So there's going to be a little bit of a gap there. And so whatever you're experiencing or feeling about this, it's yours, it's true, And we need to honor it. And I also think that one of the things that's going to be super helpful is for us to begin to examine, you know, what am I going to focus on now after this year? You know, is it going to be super, am I going to expect my kids to get these amazing grades or to be a kid and learn? You know, like, I think what we put our focus on is being called into a place of change as well. So as you're thinking about what does my life look like post pandemic, or as we're moving out of it, what structures do you want to take back with you? Which ones do you want to leave behind? Mm. I think that that gives us a focus. So we we can move through it with a focus. I don't have children, but if, you know, if I was really focused on all of these tests and everything prior and making sure that they comply and, you know, I, I don't know that I'd be there now. I'd be like, you know, what I want my kid to have the room to learn and to not put so much focus on test results. And I think that I would probably be a very different parent if I had kids now, you know, based upon this experience, is money going to be my focus anymore, or is it going to be help and pleasure? You know,
0: I so. know for myself and thank you, Nicole, for this, because I want to talk a little bit about the things that she just said and how my life has changed and examples of that. So When I started my new way of connecting with clients rather than standing on a stage and and speaking, which I will do that again, because I really did enjoy it. But right now I changed and I went into a new program and the new program was called Next Level. And it was about your new identity and helping you to reshape it with your value structures. And, you know, with looking at how you're spending your life force energy, do you want to be spending 12 hours a day working, or how about five hours a day working and more family time? So recently, a few things have happened in my personal life, especially with my son. He's 20 and he's in college. In the first semester, he did extremely well. The second semester was the pandemic. And with the universities, they were the same way that Nicole was talking about box lunches at Dare to Lead to let's, you know, go on Zoom. Let's do Mm -hmm. this program on Zoom. So when he was taking his classes, he was really struggling because it's hard to find things. You know, every professor had a different way of teaching and some showed up, some didn't show up, some just pounded the homework on top of you. And my son said to me, mom, I can't do this again. And he said something to his dad and his dad said, I'd rather you stay in school. And I was kind of supporting the not going to school. And the reason why was, is because he would have lost his medical insurance is what we were thinking. So the day before he had to make a decision, like a final decision to either continue with classes or not, he said, mom, I can't, like, I don't want to lose my grades and stuff like that. So we, as a family, had a family discussion and we compromised. So he took one class and then he uh, received a full-time job. And so he's driving a truck right now, delivering produce at the age of 20. And I won't use the language that he used, but he said the other night when he came home, soaking wet from making like deliveries from five o'clock in the morning to four o'clock in the afternoon. He's like, mom, just effing kill me if I'm doing this job in two years. So what ended up happening by the flexibility of a choice and being kinder and more compassionate in our family, which our family is kind of like those A plus families, you gotta, you know, let's do the <laughs> championship thing. And that was one thing that I noticed that changed and it was changed for the better because, I am sure when that kid starts school back up, he is going to, you know, really enjoy it and realize that these next two years or two and a half years that he'll be accruing his education are like, (laughs) like playtime compared to lifting two tons of groceries into a medical center and getting the cart stuck for 45 minutes and not being able to get it out of a groove and pouring down rain. So I think that he learned a lot of lessons and I'm just speaking on this so that you too can lean in to your own flexibility and broaden your choices. Like Nicole was saying, especially for children and family members. Yeah. Cause it's a yes.
1: And right. It's not an either or.
0: Right. Correct. But,
1: and, and that's important to know because we've been, we've kind of been pushed by the systems that are externalized to make choices of the either or, and that's not who we are as human beings. No. So I don't know about you. I didn't go through all this. You know, with we, I had cancer treatment the year, like leading into pandemic. I didn't go through all this to live the same life. I just didn't. And no. to bring all of those same paradigms into my future. I just didn't. We're, we're being called to look at things differently and to make those new choices. So I think it's important. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just wanted to make one more note though yeah. about what's going to be post pandemic. And I want to encourage people to begin to look at some mental health resources for them. Maybe it's a therapist, maybe it's a coach, a healer. Because what we know about our nervous systems and about crises is that when the crisis seems like it is over, you know, we see this with people who go through divorce or they have a death, a health issue, we tend to fall apart after it's safe to do so. And so you're going to see a lot of that happening
0: Mm. where
1: you would think that we would be partying in the streets, but you're going to see a lot of people who are finally letting go and are finally grieving and are finally experiencing the you know stuff they've been going through and so there's gonna be kind of that fall apart period so go ahead and do everything you can now to take care of your nervous system get your support systems in place normalize it for those around you don't judge it you know I think that's going to be important because we're gonna see that happen it's already starting to happen but you're gonna see it happen more.
0: Hmm. I love that word of advice so thank you for that. I also wanted to swing back around Nicola talked about something so she had just completed her rounds of cancer treatment right before, right, right. As we entered the pandemic, you had just completed all of them. And so she was kind of in her own sit down chair for the year prior to that, because when you're having cancer treatments, you're extremely uh, vulnerable to disease in your body because you they kind of are stripping your Mm -hmm. immune system down to, to help you. So talk a little bit about what it was like for you, because we've been in a two-year sit down now, basically for you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So we, we kept saying all these things about, okay, well, we're done with
1: treatment. We'll, do, we'll go do this. We'll have a party. You know, we will go on a trip. We'll like do all these things. And literally the day I was finished with my radiation down in Baltimore, things were already happening. Like we were already very nervous about being down there. So we were hearing about it. And the day before we shut down, was the day that I ended my radiation. So we literally went from shutdown for treatment into a shutdown for a pandemic. Oh and I was really bitter about it because I was like, damn, you know, this is what I was kind of looking for to the end of that, the light in the tunnel. And there isn't one. In fact, it's worse than I thought. <laughs> 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 I mean, who saw this coming? <laughs> so, you know, and I think that it was helpful, I think, for it was helpful for us because we were already kind of living in quarantine at that point, already wearing masks, already doing those things. So I think that it wasn't as jarring for us because we were already in that type of environment. And I think it was helpful because we were able to help our friends and family, people who are starting to go through it to say, well, you know, we've already done this for a year. It's amazing what you can adjust to and just be kind to of yourself. And so I think it kind of helped us manage it ourselves. And we're still kind of looking forward to. Okay, well, now when the pandemic's over, treatment's over, now we're going to get to go do these things that we're still looking kind of forward to. So I felt a little bit robbed <laughs> of my post cancer journey celebrations. And I turned 50 this year, too. So it sucks turning 50 <laughs> in the a, in a pandemic. And it's just like, damn, whenever I get to get to explore and have fun. What we know is that there will be an end to this, there never hasn't been when it comes to a pandemic. Into the type of things that we are going through, there will be a resolution and there will be a next way of being. And so we can count on that.
0: (sighs) There will be an end to this. Mm -hmm. I'd like to really resonate with that. There will be an end to this. And I want to first offer them a gift. And then Mm -hmm. I want to turn the table upward Mm -hmm. to something for a compelling future, because this is a really hard subject and it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And, some of you might be resonating with this for the first time, realizing that you were completely in fight mode. And now you might start thinking, wow, I, it's time to relax a little bit. Or some of you might have went into the groundhog hole and say, you know what? Maybe the sun is going to shine a little bit. So Nicole has a gift for you to help you. And so we're going to put it in the show notes, but can you talk a little bit about the gift that you have for them? Yeah, so the gift I have is really geared towards senior
1: small business owners, entrepreneurs, and it's a trauma and entrepreneurship assessment. And what it is is for you to, it's, you know, some questions that kind of jog you to think about the childhood experiences that you had that may have seemed, that were seemingly insignificant, that actually were probably trauma that you have not managed in that way because people told you no big deal. Everybody had a rough childhood, you know, suck it up, like any of those things. So it gives you some questions to begin to look at, perhaps identifying how those experiences may align with a small T trauma experience, and then how that might be impacting your business. Because what I know to be true for my research is that we do not drop our baggage at the door. We start a business. We don't. We bring all of our experiences, our brilliance, our resilience, all of it with us. And so this assessment will help you begin to see where some of those childhood traumas might be kind of baked into your business a little bit. And that might be kind of holding you back from what you're looking you know, to grow. So that's my gift yeah, to your, to your folks to be able to go through that.
0: Oh, well, thank you so much for that gift. And we'll put it in the show notes on how to mm-hmm. acquire that, that gift. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be really helpful. So you said you turned 50 this year. I wanted to close on a happy note. What are you and your sweet hubby planning on doing? Because You've been in the sit down chair for two years. So what's going to be your celebratory moment with the two of you? Uh,
1: I don't know yet because he's still not back. He's still not fully vaccinated yet. But what I think when we kind of envision out is we would really love to go on a trip you know, to travel, to do some travel. I'm not sure where, but it will definitely have a beach involved in it. We would love to have a gathering with our friends to celebrate that we got all got through this. Oh, so, know. you know, some kind of party where we can all be together again in a beautiful setting, you know, for sure, I think. And, you know, one of the things I'm doing to celebrate is I am, I am leaning into helping my body recover and heal in ways that are very new for me and that will give me the strength and stamina and wellness I need in order to do the work I want to do for the next, you know, 30, 40 years, but also to just live the life that's available to me. Mm. as well. So, you know, got to have the body to move through it. So we're going to nourish her and take care of her too.
0: Oh, and one final thing. I just, Nicole's just one of those amazing people that like you turn around and she's on stage with who was the one guy that you were on stage with, with the secret.
1: Oh, Joe Vitale.
0: Yeah. She was on stage (laughs) just with Joe Vitale. Just, just, just saying, you know, and then one day she had planned a trip before we were all sitting down and before her illness. And I just wanted you to share a little bit about the cooking trip. I'm, I'm only going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: and it's so funny because I was looking at pictures of that the other day. I'm like, oh, okay. So my cancer was went with me to the South of France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we went to a leadership conference, uh, not conference, but a leadership intensive in the South of France. And my, my lovely cousin, who I loved dearly, Michelle and my friend Patrice, we all went and we stayed in Julia Child's home.
0: Are you guys hearing this? Yeah. She stayed in the south of France <laughs> in Julia Child's home.
1: Yeah. And we learned how to it was the premise of the leadership retreat was, you know, who you are in the kitchen without a recipe is kind of how you are in leadership. So we learned how to make, you know, her omelets on her green plates in her kitchen and it was a really cool experience to be there on that hillside in the south of France with that life and the, the amazing produce, learning how to cook with people that I love. And so, yeah, it was a very memorable trip, you know, cause I'm like, who gets to, you know, sleep in Julia Child's house and cook in her kitchen. Like that's not a thing. Nicole
0: does. <laughs> just saying we met somebody today. Right. Her name's Nicole Lewis Kieber. And yeah, she just Goes on to South France and learns how to make omelets. Yeah. And Julia Childs pans and serves mm-hmm. and eats from Julia Childs plates. Who does this? Yeah, I highly Nicole. recommend it. <laughs> and she highly recommends it. So I, I really wanted to leave on a happy note, and I think that we have achieved that because mm-hmm. I did want to be real, and I do want to let each and every one of you know that the next level of you, you do indeed have a new compelling future lean into the things that you've learned. If you've been taking care of your body, continue to take care of your body. If you've taken things off your plate, and I don't mean food, I mean things like, you know, going to 300 children's games instead of maybe 10, you know, what kind of balances are you going to continue to incorporate as you heal and step into the new identity of you? So thank you so much, Nicole. Is there any last minute comments that you want to make? I think that the most important thing that we
1: can do is to honor who we are, our experiences, our feelings, name them, and require other people to allow us to be who we are. Because that is the most powerful place in which we can build the next level of our life. It's through that authentic space of being who we are, not what other people expect us to be. So So go forth and do that.
0: Go (laughs) forth. Go (laughs) forth. be who you are. Mm -hmm. So on those words of wisdom, I would like to thank you from the top, the bottom and both sides of my heart today, Mm -hmm. Nicole, for being here. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. My deepest pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into this episode. I hope that you feel more connected to your power within and that you take action from the guidance here today. For more information, please head to Candacehaza.com where you will find more resources to help you and your business grow to the next level.